the called of God and those who are still responding to the call. Amen. God has blessed us one more day, one more opportunity to come together, and we're so grateful and thankful for all he has done, all he continues to do, and we're just so indebted to him. He's our God, but more importantly, he is our Lord. It's wonderful to be together again. Amen. We're going to get right into the word of the Lord tonight. There's a lot to be said, a lot that the Lord wants to say to us. So I'm looking forward to the word of the Lord tonight, and I hope you are. I wanted to make a couple of uh, announcements before we go into our into prayer. Uh, this Saturday, if you are available um, and if you feel comfortable, uh, we're going to go into maybe one or two community, and we're just going to slide these invitation into the door slots of um, the the citizens or the citizens throughout Hamilton, we're going to slide a couple of these postcards. They're just invitation. We redid them. Sister Shauna did a really, really wonderful job in redesigning our postcards. And on the back, it's telling them that we want them to join us online. And on the front, obviously, it says that they're invited. So it's a really nice postcard that we want to distribute as you know, and I've been saying, this Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, and we want to get as many people involved as possible. And so we pray and hope that um, if you're able to, you can come out with us. If you can't come out with us, if you're not comfortable coming out with us, you can stop by at 22 Concord Avenue and pick up some of the postcards so you can hand them out in your community. So if you're not able to come out, that's fine. That's great. But if you would like to get involved with what God is doing, you can pick up a handful of these and you can slide them under the doors in your community and someone uh, may just pick it up and tune into our service. Now, I'll tell you ahead of time, these do not go in mailboxes. So if you do pick some up and you want to distribute in your community, they do not go in mailboxes. There are no postage on them and only mail with postage go in mailboxes so you can only slide them under the door slide them in the door but not in the mailbox so uh just want to let you know so if you come and pick some up here and you want to distribute in your community uh you will know where to slide them and not use the mailbox so we want to hand these out we want to see a great move of god in our service this sunday at pentecost sunday and i believe god's going to do some great things so these are nice. I really like them. And so come and pick some up if you'd like. And Saturday morning at 930, we will be going out into the community to hand them out. We will not knock on doors. We will not have any face-to-face unless the Lord allows someone to come and speak to us. We're going to wear our masks. We'll have gloves on. And uh, we'll just slide them in under the doors in our community. Amen. Also, for our prayer list tonight. We have quite a bit. I want to continue to pray for the names that we've made mention to you. And so as we get ready to go into prayer, remember the names, Pearlene Marshall, um, Sister Anna's Aunt Carmen, Sister Kimberly, who had just started coming to uh, our services and she had lost her grandmother. So pray for Sister Kimberly and her family. Amen. Pray for Tia 
she lost both her parents. We talked about that. Pray for Rosaline, who had lost her uncle. Uh, Charlie Hemming, we've been praying for Charlie Hemmings. Um, diabetic, he's, he's struggling with that sickness in his body. And also depression, so pray for Charlie Hemming. Also, I asked you to pray for Pastor Rupert Johnson. Um, he's the pastor at Rioba Pentecostal Church, so pray for him. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, continue to pray for Brother Chuby, that God will touch him spiritually. Uh, he will receive a refreshing, spiritual refreshing, and healing in his body will continue to take place. Pray for Maxine. Um, we want God to heal her, and we want her to be saved for so her salvation. And I added one, one more to the list today, and that's Winston Hilton. We want you to pray for him for salvation and for healing and deliverance. So for Winston Hilton, we want you to pray for him for salvation and for healing and deliverance. So we've got quite a list there to pray. You might not always remember, but I hope you will keep them in mind. And from time to time, you'll pray. This evening, we'll pray together and ask God to just speak to their hearts, touch their hearts, and ask God to help us in our service tonight that we can experience something within ourselves that we did not experience before. Let's stand to your feet, or to our feet, I should say. Wherever you are, just stand with us. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer and just ask for His will to be done. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we give you the honor, the praise, and all the glory belongs to you, Lord. We're grateful, we're thankful to come together one more time, to be able, Lord God, to praise your name together in one, Lord God. We are gathered together under the banner, the banner of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we are thankful to be your children, to be a family. And oh my God, we surrender all to you, Lord God. For Lord, we want nothing to interfere with us having communion with you in this moment, this hour. We want to have fellowship with you in the spirit. We want to have sweet communion with you in the spirit. And oh God, we ask that nothing hinders that. We ask you to forgive us of our sins. We ask you to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We ask, oh God, that you will wash us by the washing of the word that we may be clean, Lord God. I pray that you will stir up the gift that's inside of us, the gift of the Holy Ghost, the most precious gift, oh God. Tonight, Lord Jesus, we ask for the power of God to move in a strong way, in a miraculous way, in our Bible study, Lord God, that you will speak to every heart, that you will give us direction, that you will give us instructions, Lord. God, help us tonight, for Lord, without you, we can do nothing. Without you, we can accomplish nothing. Without you, we are nothing. And we ask, Lord God, that you'll move upon us and in us in a supernatural, miraculous, and divine way. Help us, Lord God, that we will be focused and attentive tonight, Lord God. Allow us to see the Word of God like we've never seen it, Lord God. Reveal the mysteries of the Scriptures, if you will, to us, Lord God. Bind us with your word. Let the word be engrafted in our heart, Lord God, and it will take deep root, Lord Jesus, and grow and produce good fruit. We pray and ask, Lord God, that you will help us tonight, that you will equip us tonight, that you will empower us tonight, and that we will be the disciples that you called us to be. We pray for Perlene tonight, Lord, that you'll touch her, Lord. We pray for Carmen, Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you have your way in her life, Lord God. I pray that you will heal her body. We pray 
pray for Kimberly, Lord God, and her family, her relatives, Lord God. Will you keep them, bring peace to them, comfort them like only you can. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray for Tia, Lord God, that you'll bring peace and comfort into her life, Lord God, into her situation. For Rosalie, Lord God, we pray for the peace of God, the joy of the Lord to come upon her, that you will comfort her and her family, Lord God, in the name of Jesus we pray for Charlie Hammonds, Lord Jesus, that you will continue to touch his body and that by your stripe he will be healed, Lord God, and that, Lord God, the diabetes that's in his body will be dried up and will be eradicated. I pray, Lord God, that you will truly remove depression from him, that you will deliver him from depression in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray for healing. We pray for your special touch upon Pastor Rupert Johnson from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet. Let it be so that he will be whole, that he will be healed in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray tonight, Lord, that you have your way with him, Lord. God, we pray for Maxine tonight, that you will touch her body, that healing will flow in her body, that she will be strong, she will be healed and whole. We pray, Almighty God, for her salvation, that she will be saved to the uttermost in the name of Jesus. For Brother Chuby, Lord God, we pray that you will continue the healing that you have started in his body, that it will continue till he's completely whole in the name of Jesus. We pray a spiritual refreshing upon him, that he will be refreshed in the Holy Ghost, in the name of Jesus. And tonight, Lord, we pray for Winston Hilton, that Lord Jesus, that the power of God will overshadow him. The power of God will move upon him. The power of God will arrest him, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you'll deliver him from all strongholds, that you'll deliver him from the powers of the enemy, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. And we pray for his salvation, Lord God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Will you heal him Lord God. Will you make him whole, Lord God, in his body, in his mind, in his soul. I pray tonight, Lord, the blessings of the Lord will overtake him and that his eyes will be open to who you are and to your salvation. Lord, we pray that you give ears to our prayers tonight and that your will be done as we ask, oh God. We pray and ask as we touch and agree. Have your way tonight in our thoughts and in our heart and in this service. We pray and ask in Jesus' name. Name. Can somebody say in Jesus name? Jesus name? Amen. Thank the Lord right now for his goodness and his mercy. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we honor you. There is none like you. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Amen. Well, we're going to Look into the word of the Lord and ask God to speak to us and help us tonight. And so I want you to get your Bibles out. I want you to get out whatever uh, you use to pull up the scriptures so we can read some scriptures tonight. I'm going to talk to you a little bit tonight on this topic, the God of the faithful. The God of the faithful. I want to talk with you a little bit on that topic, share with you a little bit on that topic about the God of the faithful. We serve a faithful God. We know that. But sometimes we think God, uh, he has to be faithful, but we don't have to be faithful. And so I want to help you tonight because, uh, because he's a faithful God. He will take care of those that are faithful to him. 
So we're going to talk about the Lord Jesus Christ tonight, but from the standpoint that he is the God of the faithful. And so we want for the word of the Lord to help us tonight so we understand all about faithfulness and all about who God really is, is and what he's about. In Genesis chapter 12, verse number 1, very, very familiar passage of scripture, Genesis chapter 12, verse number 1, the word of the Lord says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Very familiar passage of scripture. That was the call of God. Remember I told you Sunday that we're first called before we're chosen. And so here's another example of it. God had chosen Abram way before the foundation of the world. But the process of how God operates, he extends his call to all of us. And when we respond to the call and begin to be obedient to the call, then we will begin to experience how we are chosen in him. So understand this about Abram, and, and Abram is the same Abraham that you read about, but in this case, uh, he was Abram before he became Abraham. And so when you hear me emphasize Abram, it's not a mistake, it's because he was Abram before he was Abraham. And so think about this a little bit, when God called Abram, uh, interestingly enough, Abram, his family, they served or they worshipped multiple gods. They didn't know the one true and living God. They, they, they were worshippers of more than one God. And so they were worshippers of, you may say, multiple gods. And so they didn't know the one and only God. And so they were pagans, if you will. They, they weren't uh, the people of the of the name that we know today, they weren't the people that are the true people of God who knew the one and only God. They were pagans and they worshipped other gods. But God called him out of that. And so God tell him, come on, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your 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 your, your siblings, leave every everything behind, and I want you to go and follow me as I guide thee. When God reveals himself to us and we come to know who he is, we have obtained faith. When God revealed himself to us and we come to know who he is, we have obtained faith. And so God had revealed himself to Abram, which means Abram obtained faith. But how many of you know that when God calls us to follow him, when God calls us to go where he wants us to go, how many of you know that we don't always move right away? Somebody say amen. 
God tell us to go someplace. God call us to do something. And we, 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 we most of the time when we hear it, it's like, oh my goodness, I know this came from the Lord. This is something that I know is not for me. And we're almost like stunned for a moment there. We're overtaken. We're overwhelmed because we know we just heard something from the Lord, something that is from the heavenly realm. And so when we hear it, many times we're just taken aback and we're like, oh my goodness. But we normally don't act right away on it, especially when it's a call to follow the Lord, because a call to follow the Lord God Almighty is a call to change your life. And so when God says, I want you to come, what he's really saying is, I want you to abandon what you've been doing, and now I want you to do what I'm going to command you to do. This is why I've said for a long, long time that this is why many people, if we want to be truly honest with ourselves, the reason why many people aren't Christians today, the reason why many people aren't following the Lord Jesus Christ is because they don't want to abandon their current life to go begin another life. Amen? And so when they understand that Following Jesus entails that you abandon your present situation and you go on to what he wants. And so when the Lord spoke to Abram, he knew what he had to do, but he struggled with it a lot, a, a, a bit. Abram struggled with his faith to leave his past completely behind. In Genesis 12 and 1, God's specific instructions to Abram were to leave his country. The country is called Ur of the Chaldees. He says, leave your country and your kindred and your father's house. That's everything. Only thing he can bring is those that was directly in his house. I got to tell you this. We are only responsible for those that are in our home, especially a man. You are only responsible for those that are in your home. A lot of times we try to be responsible for people that are not living under our roof. They're not living in our home. And no matter how close we are to them, we're not responsible for them. God hold us, holds us responsible for those that live in our home, especially the man as the leader of the home. That's who God will hold you responsible for is those that are in the home. So God had called Abram to leave his his daddy, leave the land where he was in, to leave his 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 brothers and 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 nephews and everybody. He was called to leave them, but instead, his father Terah and his nephew Lot went with him. So now you get in the picture here. God told him to come and leave everything behind except for his own family, his wife. And, and at that time, they didn't have any children yet, so he was supposed to leave it and only bring his herdsmen and only bring his servants. And that's what he was supposed to bring. But his nephew Lot, he brought with him, and he allowed his dad to go with him as well, his dad, Terah. I believe in you, God, but I have a little bit of issue with leaving my family behind. God will call us to do things. God will call us to follow him. And we can believe it and we can embrace it. But we get a little stuck, if you will, because we're worried about our family. We're, we're worried about, well, what about them? And if I've learned some things since I've been walking with the Lord, uh, you got to let God worry about God stuff. <laughs> 
And if God is calling you and those that live in your home to come and follow him, you just have to go. And don't think that God don't want everybody to be saved. The Bible says it's the will of God that all be saved and none should perish. And so God wants everybody to be saved. So because God is calling you, don't think that God don't want everybody in your family saved. If God is called, don't think because God is calling you, he doesn't want your, 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 your aunt or your uncle or your nieces or your nephews to be saved. He wants everybody to be saved, but he does it his way. And so when he calls you, you just have to say, all right, Lord, and you go because he called you. Think of all the ties and obligation and love that entails with the family structure. Lot was his nephew's, was his nephew, the son of his brother Haran, who had died in Ur. No doubt Abram felt a little familial duty to his dead brother to care for his son. So they traveled together. But remember, God had told Abram to leave all his family behind. Good, listen to me, this is very careful. Good intentions never trump God's instructions. Let me say that again. Good intentions never trump God's instructions. So when God tells you to do something, you can have the best of intentions to take along with or include with God's instructions. But I'm here to tell you, your good intentions does not trump God's instructions. So when God gives you instruction to do something, leave out your good intentions. Leave out what you think is good. Leave out what you think will work good with that plan. Just follow God's instructions because that's what matters. There was a reason God told Abram to leave his family behind. Terah, being the patriarch of the family, was the one who led the march northwest uh Northwest, no doubt, Abram told his dad what, 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 what God had told him. So here is the picture. God told Abram to leave his family and go. Surely, Abram told his daddy, Dad, I got to go. I heard from God, and I'm going to have to go where God tells me to go. And so I'm going to leave you guys here. It's just going to be me and Sarah. I'm going to take um, my herdsmen with me, and we're going to go. And so he probably told his dad that, and his dad probably said, no, you're not going by yourself. I'm going as well. And so his dad started out, his dad is going with them. But as, as the dad, because he's the patriarch, and he's used to always taking the lead, he took the lead. However, God didn't tell him to take the lead. God told Abram, let's go. So here we have a little issue, because God called Abram, but Abram's dad decided he's going. Abram's nephew, Abram decides he's taking him with him. And so now we've got an army of people rolling when God only called Abram and his household, which means Abram, Sarah, and all of his herdsmen and his servants. And so the dad decides, come on, I'm leading the charge. And dad is going now. And Abram, in actuality, may just be following his dad. Unfortunately, that's what happened. So as they're going... Terah decided to settle in the region of Assyria. Dad, you know, he looked around. Of course, he didn't get no instructions from God. So he looked around and felt like, hey, son, look like we need to stay right here and just chill. 
Abram, not having the courage to say, Dad, that's not what God told me. I need to move forward. He didn't have the courage to do that, so he stopped in his journey too in Haran with his dad. Caught between your own life and your promise from the Lord is what was going on with Abram. He was caught between his own life and the promise God had made him, which was before him. And so he's struggling with that. He's battling with that. And I'm here to tell somebody tonight, when God called you, you need to realize the call of God is greater than anything else in your life. The call of God is greater than anything in your life. So you have to trust that if God called you, you need to follow God and you can't allow the things of your present or old life hold you back from moving forward in God. You have to go forward when God calls you. For a time, Abram's progress was stalled because he did not have enough courage to step up and become the leader of his own family. So the progress that he was making was stalled because he allowed his dad to call the shots. He allowed his nephew and his herdsmen to come along for the journey, and that's not what God had told him. He was still allowing the leadership, the rulership of his father to prevail in his life, but God had called him. Now that's interesting. While you're under authority, you do as the authority that's leading you. But when God tells you to come on, you got to let God appoint you the, the next authority until you, you got to let God's authority be your authority until he allows you to become or put you under another authority. And so he told Abram, you got to leave your daddy's house. That was authority. You got you to gotta go. And he took him from under his daddy's house and says, now I'm sending you. But Abram had a hard time with, with that. He was living in a town named after his. Listen to his history, why he had a hard time with that. Abram was living in a town named after his dead brother. He was held back by the memories of the past. He was caught halfway between Ur and Canaan in a town of the banks of the same river, the river Euphrates. Familiar enough to still be comfortable, he was not quite as bad off as he had been in the idolatrous nation of the Chaldees, but he was still far short of the land God had promised to give him. So listen to me. When God called us, Sometimes we obey God part way and not the whole way. And you know what we stop and say? Well, I'm not as bad off as I used to be because when I was back there, I was a mess and I'm doing better now. Well, church, I'm here to tell you, doing better is great, but you must get to the place where God wants you to be. Doing better is great, but we must be and go where God wants us to go and be who we're supposed to be. So to say to ourselves or to say to anyone else, hey, I'm better off than how I used to be, but if you didn't complete the journey, if you did not take hold of the promise that God has given you, then as good as you're doing, it's still not good enough because God called you to more than good. God has called you to a life of perfection. God has called you to a place of promise. And so as good as we could be doing right now, if it's not that place of promise, if it's not that life of perfection, then we still have a ways to go and we need to keep going and not make excuses as to why we can just take a break and chill. Amen. 
God don't want us straddling the fence. Somebody say that. God don't want us straddling the fence. How often do we do that, straddle the fence? How often do we come some ways because we're no longer doing the things we used to do, but we're still not doing exactly what God wants us to do? We set out in faith, but we take too much baggage with us. Huh, help us, Lord. So we come to church and we give our life to God. We get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. God fills us with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We're living a Christian life and we just all of a sudden, we just go on cruise control. Or we just stay right there where we got saved and got received the Holy Ghost. We're not progressing anymore. We're just in that place. And that's not where God wants us to stay. That's just the beginning. And so we can't just settle for just the beginning of that Christian life. God has more for us. Somebody say God has more for us. We set out in faith, but we take too much baggage with us. That's why God sometimes tell us to leave some people behind, to leave some stuff behind, because those things will weigh us down. Those things will hinder us from moving forward. So we have to think about it. When God said, don't take this, don't take that, don't worry about it. He's got you covered. And so Abram took, uh, he took too many baggage with him, uh, loss of, of the past, family troubles, bitterness, and hurt, or we cling to the familiar. Hoping God will be satisfied with half measures and, and, and mediocre sacrifice. Then we get caught, we, we get caught there like Abram, halfway between old life and the new life, and has what God has promised us. But God is calling us to press on. Somebody say God is calling us to press on. We must not stop halfway to the promise. We must not stop halfway to the promise. God is calling us, and we need to press on. I know it's tough. I know when God calls us. I know when God begins to lead us, we're, we're looking behind us and, and saying, Man, you're telling me I, I, I got to stop doing that? You're telling me I can't do that anymore? You're telling me I can't go here anymore? You're telling me I can't live this kind of life anymore? Man, that's just too much. And you're worried about what you're losing and never stop to put your eye on what you're gaining. <laughs> Oh man, we we have this habit of looking of looking at what we're losing and never stop to look at what we're gaining. But it's time that we we start looking at what we're gaining, what what we're going to obtain, what we're going to achieve and not look back at what we're leaving behind because if you have your immediate family with you, that's all you can ask. You can't worry about anybody else as much as you want your uncle to be saved. He has to make his own decision. As much as you want your aunt to be saved, he has to, she has to make her decision. And so on and so on. So we just have to do what God says to do because God is going to be the God of our life if we obey him. Somebody say amen. Amen. Abram finally left Haran, but he, looked, but he took Lot with him. Abram was 75 years old when he finally decided to leave Haran, yet he still took Lot with him. He was still unwilling to break ties completely with the past. Lot may have been like the son Abram never had. Perhaps Lot was even Abram's first backup plan for heir. He didn't have any heir because he didn't have any kids yet. So maybe Lot was his backup plan that if I don't get anyone uh, to take over and keep the family going, then Lot is going to have to be the one. God appeared to Abram when he arrived in the land of Canaan and said, 
unto and, and, and said unto to Lot, to Abram, unto thy seed will I give this land. This shows God's progressive revelation. Now that's something that I want you to think about. God gives us progressive revelation. What does that mean, preacher? It means you won't get the whole picture until you do the step that he tells you to do. So step by step is how he reveals things to us. But a lot of times we just stay stuck on the first base because we're saying, until I get a clearer picture, until I get more understanding, I'm not moving forward. Well, I'm here to tell you that's not faith because faith says I know who he is. Faith says, I know who God is, and if he tells me to go, I can trust him to go. So when we stay stuck where we want to stay stuck at and not move, it's because we're lacking faith. If we stay stuck where we want to be stuck at, it's because we don't know who God is. Because if we really truly know who he is, we would never doubt going where he wants us to go. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. So progressive revelation is when you obey what God tells you, he continues to reveal more and more to you so you can understand what he's doing. Abram built an altar on the mountain east of Bethel and called on the name of the Lord. He pitched his tent between Bethel and uh, the house of God and Ahai, heap of ruin. He was still at a crossroad in his life. Abram struggled a lot when God called him. So that, that tells me Abram was close to his family. And that tells me Abram lived a life of just, it, it, it was a, a real traditional life that he was living where everyone was doing the same. Abram and Lot finally parted ways and then God renewed the promise. Mm-hmm. Think about that one. So while they were rolling, Abram wasn't hearing anything from God. Huh, my God, help us tonight. So when you bring baggage along, when, when you try to get your own thing going, when you try to incorporate your own plan with what God has already said, you will not hear from God. And you're going to wonder, why am I not hearing from God? Well, I'm here to tell you, Abraham showed us, Abraham showed us why we sometimes won't hear from God. And what happens is God will give us clear direction. And in the midst of that, we're still trying to include our plans. We're still trying to include our way of doing things. And God is saying, well, I won't even get involved with that because I've already told you what I expect of you, what you need to do. But when we start to include what we want. We start to include what we think should be included with God's plan. God won't speak to us. But when we decide to totally obey him and go with what he says, then progressive revelation. He will continue to speak to us. He will continue to show us things. So we got to realize it's very important to do what God says to do. To go where God says to go with who God says you need to go with. Abram and Lot finally parted ways, and then God renewed the promise. God blessed Abram, and, 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 and Lot too grew and flourished in the overflow of the blessings that poured unto his uncle. But Lot never fully committed to God himself. Strife ensued among their herdsmen, and Abram gave Lot the choice of all the land before them, showing his true colors. Lot chose the well-watered plains and rich grazing land of Sodom. Now, if my uncle told me was to come with him, 
And I know God's hand is upon my uncle. And I know God uh, was the one that called my uncle and told my uncle where to go. And my uncle says, hey, we got to uh, part ways because, you know, our husband are not getting along. And what do you think I would do? Am I going to look for the best land to go to? Or would I say, Unc, no, 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 no. You tell me where to go because you have been a blessing and I know God gave you instructions. You tell me where to go. And so Lot didn't do that. Lot looked out and checked things out for himself and decided to go to what he thought was the best. So look at Lot. Look at Lot. Watch him. First, Lot simply set his tent facing Sodom. So when Lot saw the plain watered by Sodom, what he did first? First, he simply set his tent. So he pitched his tent facing Sodom. Check it out. After that, then he sat in the gate of Sodom. So he pitched his tent by the gate this time where he was now there. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm thinking, what if we still live in a time where we, have, we can carry our house? That's what they did back then. They carried their house, the tent. Finally, Lot was living in a house in Sodom. So it, it reminds me of how sin worked in our life. We get tempted by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Lot saw something. Lot desired something. And now Lot moved on something. But he didn't do it right away. He got close, close, and then he just got in it. And so that's what Lot did. So he, he finally got a house in Sodom. The Bible says he grieved. His soul, his soul was grieved day by day with the evil of the city, yet he never moved. So when Lot moved, when he went into Sodom and started living, he saw the evil. He saw the ungodliness, and it was so bad, it grieved his soul. It grieved him to see all the evil, all the ungodliness. But here's the big money question. Why didn't he move out? We can ask ourselves the same thing. Okay, we mess up. Mm, I'm talking to somebody right now. We mess up, and we get ourselves into ungodly situations. We get ourselves in ungodly behavior. And we can see clearly that, oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of this ungodliness. And we can identify it. And we can see it. And we know what it is. Why don't we leave it? Why don't we get out of it? Why don't we come away from it? And I know for some of you, you're saying, it's hard, I just can't. But I'm telling you tonight, if you will call on the name of Jesus, when you feel stuck in your situation, when you feel trapped in your situation, when you feel like your, your lust, your ungodliness had pulled you into sin and pulled you into a life that is just not good, if you will really call on the name of the Lord, if you really want to get out and you call on the name of the Lord, He will help you to get out of here. Somebody say thank you Jesus. So we got to realize what sin does. It entices us and we, we don't usually just jump in it but we slide our way into it and then we get trapped into it and it's up to us now to want to get out. And so many people are trapped in their sin but if they will ask God to get them out and sincerely want to get out, God will get you out. That's how God operates. 
Some people are saying, I've been calling on the Lord and he won't get me out. You know what I've learned about God? Because he's a mind reader, because he knows all things. When you're not sincere, God knows. <laughs> you, you can fool man and even fool yourself sometimes, but you can't fool God. So you can say, oh God, I want to get out of this mess. But God knows if you really want to get out or do you still want to be in it, you're just saying the right things. God knows when we're just saying the right things as opposed to deep down in our heart, in our soul, we really mean it. So God knows. And if you really want to get out and, and you really call on God, he will help you to get out of there. Amen. After Abram parted from Lot, God was able to renew and expand the covenant with Abram. That's in Genesis 13, 14 through 17. And the Lord, let me read it for you. And the Lord said unto Abram after that lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever, and I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if, any, if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Despite the renewed and expanded covenant God made with him in Canaan, Abram still struggled to believe God would provide for and protect him. So famine struck. The famine struck. And here's Abram now. At the first sign of trouble in Canaan, Abram fled to the familiar. Huh, we're good for that. Peter did that. We're supposed to be living a saved life. And when we feel like we can't feel God... When we feel like God is not talking to us anymore, when we feel like God is not present with us anymore, the first sign of trouble, we go back to doing what we used to do. We go back to the familiar. Shame on us. Abram went back to the familiar, to a land that had another great river system like the Euphrates. In Egypt, the grazing for his cattle and water for agriculture were assured. In Egypt, Abram lied, saying Sarah was his sister. So he went to the familiar, which was down in Egypt, but he went down there and had to start lying, crooking and hooking, because when you do things on your own, you're going to have to come up with your own deliverance. You're going to have to come up with your own way of making it all work. And most of the times we're going to have to crook and hook, beg, borrow, steal. We're going to have to do all kinds of things to, to keep doing what we like to do. But if we trust God, God will do everything that needs to be done for us. One mistake going to Egypt led to another mistake. And I wouldn't even call it a mistake. One wrong going to Egypt led to another wrong. Abram assumed the Egyptian would kill him in order to take his beautiful wife. So Abram lied, not trusting God to protect him and his wife from the Egyptian. In fact, Pharaoh sent and took Sarah into the palace, but God was with Abram. God plagued Pharaoh, protected Abram and Sarah, and brought them out of Egypt safely. God even blessed Abram with abundant cattle and servants. Back in Canaan, 
Abram went back to the altar. He built at the beginning. He renewed his commitment. So he got jammed up, got in trouble. God delivered him. He went and visited the altar he first built and prayed and worshiped the Lord. Amen. We should always remember when God delivered us to go and worship and praise him and thank him. We can't take deliverance, receive deliverance and act like God didn't deliver us. We got to always remember what God is going. It was an altar. It was where we stopped and prayed and asked God to help us. And usually that's where God worked in our lives. And so when things start going wrong, we shouldn't wait till things start going wrong. But I'm just saying, when things do go wrong, even while you're praying, make sure you go back to that first altar where you prayed when God moved in your life and God will hear you again and move in your life. When we fail, as we will, because we will fail, we need to go back to our first altar, our first commitment. So in case you don't understand what the first altar could mean in your life and you're not in the same place with the first altar, remember the very first thing that God was trying to say to you when you first got saved. I will never forget my poor wife's first instruction God gave to her and kept giving to her when she first got saved. I know hers better than mine probably. And the, the, the thing that the Lord told her when she first got saved is to trust him. So if she ever get jammed up, if anything ever go in it wrong in her life, she got to go back to pray and say, God, I remember when you first pulled me in, when you first called me, you told me to trust you. And now I'm having a hard time and I'm not trusting you. Help me, Lord, that I will trust you like I'm supposed to, because that's what you wanted me to know. That's what she will pray every time she gets jammed up because that's her first altar. And for some of us, we got to remember the conversation that we had with God when we first was called by God. What kind of promise God made you? How did God direct you? And when you feel like you're off kilter and things are not working right, you need to go back to that prayer and pray that prayer again and say, God, help me to honor what was agreed upon when you first called me and God will help you. Somebody say amen. Often when we fail, the devil will camp on our shoulder <laughs> and start a whisper campaign. God will never forgive you. You are too much of a failure. Why even try to get right with God? He is too righteous. He will never take you back. But remember, the devil is a liar. No matter what the devil camp out on your shoulder and whisper in your ear, always remember the devil is a liar. Jesus died for us when we were yet sinners. So if always remember this, if God died for you while you were you were a sinner, think about it. Now that you've become a Christian and you might mess up here and there, why wouldn't he deliver you and forgive you? Because he did that for you while you didn't know him, while you weren't walking with him, while you weren't serving him, he did that for you. So why now will you be living for him, serving him, doing his will, but every, every once in a while you mess up? Why would you think he would say, oh, I'm just done with you when he died for you when you didn't even know him. God did not reject Abram despite his failures and he will not reject you despite your failures. Somebody say thank you Jesus. God renewed his covenant with Abram and promised to lead him and his descendants. God promised Abram again that he would have a son and 
and, and, and a multitude of descendants. And Abram believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. That's a powerful text. This is one of the most powerful verses in scripture. It is one of the most often quoted Old Testament scripture in the New Testament because it shows that Abram's faith was the basis of his relationship with God. I want you to hear that again. Abram's faith was the basis of his relationship with God. Now I want you to put your hand on your chest and say, My faith is the basis of my relationship with God. Because if it was that way for Abram, it's that way for you. That your faith will be the basis for your relationship with God. And we need to thank God for that. Long before the law was given by Moses, Abram's faith was counted for righteousness. Abram believed God when he promised Abram would be the patriarch of a huge nation. He embraced the promise and believed it. He even clung to it. Yet Abram's faith was not absolute. Still Abram questioned God. Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit? Just because we have faith does not mean we do not have questions or doubts may sometimes creep in. You, you don't think you don't have faith because the devil will tell you you don't have faith when you have a, when a little bit of doubt creep in. When you start to ask some questions, that don't mean you don't have faith. It just means you're human. <laughs> in response to Abram's question, God formalized and, and, and a binding covenant with him. And it came to pass that when the sun went down, listen to this covenant, and it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. But what did this vision symbolize? The furnace is a place of intense heat where metal is melted and purified and then heated to be pounded and formed. Abram and his descendants would be tried and tested. God told Abram how they would be afflicted in Egypt for 400 years. We know that story. They would face a furnace, but like Job, they could say, when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. We sometimes think when we're going through that God is not with us and it's the devil. It's not always the devil. And then came a burning lamp. God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That's Psalms 119, 105. Even in times of testing and trial, we have God's promise that he will never leave us and will always lead us. That is the covenant God made with Abram. God did not promise a smooth, easy life, but he gave Abram an assurance that while passing through the fire to purify and to shape him and his people, God will also be there to guide them every step of the way. Abram struggled to believe the promised child, but guess what? He still believed. Abram and Sarah, as we know, were barren. They, they couldn't, Sarah couldn't have children. And this, this, this would have been an issue in their hometown in Ur. This would have been a terrible stigma in their society. Yet God had given them a promise that their descendant would be many and blessed. They waited for years holding on to the promise. Abram was 75 when he left Haran and he remained faithful for 11 years. Faithful. 
11 years after leaving Iran, Abram and Sarah hatched a backup plan. They used Hagar, Sarah's handmaid, as a surrogate mother, and Ishmael was born. But this was not God's plan. No, sir. God renewed his promise of a miracle child, but still they doubted. As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be, and I will bless her and give her thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. We would expect Abraham to be thrilled with the renewal of the promise. He had first received decades before, but instead Abram laughed at the promise and pleaded on behalf of Ishmael. Still God insisted that Sarah would bear a son. Not long after, God arrived at Abram's tent with two angels in human form and affirmed that Sarah would soon bear a son. Sarah overheard the, the, in the tent, she too laughed at God's promise of a child. Of course, she was old. When confronted with this, Sarah lied to God's face, denying she had laughed. God stated the simple truth. No, but you did laugh. <laughs> but God did not punish her or reject her because of her unbelief. Then God asked a simple, powerful question. Is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? Even today, we have faith in God, uh, and, 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 and it really boils down to that same question. Today, we still have to ask ourselves, is anything too hard for the Lord. Finally, at 100 years old and 90 years old, respectively, Abraham and Sarah bore Isaac. Once God's promises had made them laugh in disbelief, but now the fulfillment made them laugh with joy. Abraham and Sarah did not receive their promise because their faith never wavered. Their faith was not perfect through all the years, but that is not what God remembered or what scripture focused on. Look at Romans 4, 19 through 21. Uh, it, it, it says of Abraham, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able to perform. God did not consider Abraham weak in faith, but strong. In fact, scripture calls him the father of faithful. So that's why we're talking about tonight, God of the faithful. And so if we're going to be faithful like Abraham, we will get to experience how God will operate in our life like God operated in Abraham's life. Mm -hmm. Abraham was human and failed at least seven times according to what is recorded in Scripture. Still, God chose to focus 
on his faith and fulfill his promises to Abraham. This should give us hope. For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. That's Proverbs 24, 16. In Romans 4 and 3, for what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. And so we got to know, trust God. We got to know, be faithful and God will be, be faithful to us. He will show himself faithful to us. I close here. Can I really do this? This is Abraham. Just, just listen to me for a second here as we close out. Abram, this is all his thoughts going on. All of his, 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 what he's saying. Can I really do this? Lost in trouble thought. Abraham could hardly focus on the rocky path ahead. Leading toward distant peak of Mount Moriah, leaving Ur was one thing, but how could God ask me to do this? It made no sense. Isaac was the promised child. He was the one they had waited for so long. He was their laughter in their old age. What would Sarah say when Abraham returned without their son? <laughs> The thought was almost even to break him. But no, Isaac was the promised child. The Lord's word echoed back to Abraham. In Isaac shall thy seed be called. Church, hear me tonight. When things are not going the way you thought they should go, when things are not even going the way you think God said they should have went, I want you to remember God's promises that he made to you and that's written in scriptures. So we need to trust the Lord and hold to his promises and remember what he has said to us because things will get complicated at times. Things will seem like they're going off the rails at times. But you got to do like Abraham do, like Abraham did and remember, recall what God had said. He said, in Isaac, Shall thy seed be called? Abraham felt a sudden surge of hope. Was it possible that God could raise the dead? Well, of course he could raise. For is there anything too hard for God? Hadn't God asked them once, Is anything too hard for the Lord? The answer was clearly a resounding, No, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. If Abraham did all for Isaac, God would have to raise him from the dead. Faith swelled Abraham, and he quickened his steps. They were nearing the foot of the mountain. He turned to his servant, Abide ye here, he said. I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Even as he spoke the word somehow he knew it was true. Even if God had not raised Isaac from the dead, they would both return to the mountain. Abram was really now exercising some strong faith. Abraham and Isaac began to climb. Abraham's heart began beating faster and not because of the steep path. What was Isaac saying? Behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? What could Abraham tell his son? How could he tell Isaac that today Isaac was, that, was 
the day that I sacrifice you. Huh. Still, Abraham was clinging to his faith. My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. Where did that come from? Abraham thought, yet it had a ring of deep truth to it, a prophetic ring. They had reached the top of the mountain, and Abraham began stacking stones to build an altar. He laid the wood in order. Then he turned to Isaac. There was a light of realization in Isaac's eyes. There was fear there, but also resignation and courage. Isaac held out his hands, his wrists, together to be bound. When Isaac laid back on the wood, Abraham drew out his knife. His heart was hammering. God will raise him up. He thought, surely, God will raise him up. Abram tense to bring down the blade. Abram, Abram, the angel of the Lord voice boomed out from heaven. Abram froze. Here I am. The words came out as, as, as gasp. Lay not thy hand upon thy lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. Sudden tears of relief filled Abraham's eyes. He lowered the knife, cut the, bond, the, the bonds from his son's hand, and hugged them, and hugged them tight, tight, tight. Then Abraham said, Be, Behind him the whole time, was a ram caught in a thicket by the horns. God truly had provided a, 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 a substitution, <laughs> sacrifice, and Abraham offered it in the place of his son. When we are willing to offer up our most valued possession, what is our most valued possession? Our most, our most valued possessions, number one, is self. Number two, children. Number three, finance. That's our most valued possessions. But when we are willing to offer up our most valued possession to God, it is a testament to our faith and it makes us righteous. That's what the Bible says. When we offer up our most prized possession to God, we do it as a testimony of our faith. And the Bible says that that faith makes us righteous. Psalms 37 verse 25 says, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. So church, I would say this, if we want that scripture to live throughout, throughout our life, we need to live by faith. That's why the Bible says, walk by faith and not by sight. The just shall live by faith. The Bible lets us know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so if we, as Abraham, will walk by faith, live by faith, that's what makes us righteous. And if we do that, then we will never be forsaken and our seed will not ever beg for bread. Our God is a God 
of the faithful. And Abraham was faithful. And if God took care of him because he was faithful, if God was with him the whole time because he was faithful, God will be with you and I the whole time if we remain faithful. God will be with us and work in our life if we remain faithful. Just like he did Abraham, he will do us because God is no respecter of persons. And so we will trust that God will was faithful to Abraham and we will be righteous because of our faith. Then God will be faithful to us. Will you stand with me tonight? Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your mercy. We thank you for your word. Great is your faithfulness. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. God, you've shown us the life of Abraham to teach us, to instruct us, to enlighten us. Oh God, I pray that Abraham's life will be meaningful to us. And that we will take some of the great examples of his life and implement in our life. That God, we will allow faith to be the currency. To be the thing, Lord God, that moves us and drives us. That we will be counted righteous because of our faith. And that, Lord, we will experience you never forsaking us. Always keeping us always upholding us, always blessing us, and, bring, and, and, and also our children, Lord. Father, we thank you tonight for your word, for your presence, for your instructions. Help us, Lord God, to be who you want us to be. Continue to show us the way we must go. Continue to order our steps, Lord God, for your lamp is a light unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, will you light our path that we will know the way to take? Lord, will you open our eyes to have understanding, to know the things that are important in this hour? Ha. Oh, Lord, I pray that our faith fail us not, but that our faith will increase. Help us to be faithful in all ways, in all things, that, Lord Jesus, we can continue to follow you, continue to trust you. I pray that you will bless and keep every person that is a part of this service tonight, a part of our Bible study tonight, that, Lord God, you will do a great work in their life, that, God, you will do exceeding and abundant and above whatever they can ask or think, because, Lord, they have received from you tonight, and they can do what they have heard. They can do what has been spoken into their spirit. Bless our congregation. Bind us in unity of your spirit. I pray your favor upon this church for each and every one of us, Lord God, that you'll open doors and that you'll bless our homes, our family. And Lord, as we pray, we touch and agree asking, Lord God, that you'll open that door for us to go in and possess the land that oh God has promised to us. Possess the land, Lord God, where we can have our home, where Lord, we can dwell and do the work of God, where we can reach our community and bring the in to be discipled. Ha! My God, have your way tonight. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for speaking to our hearts and minds. We give you the honor and praise, for there is none like you. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you tonight. We praise you. We honor you. Oh, Father, there is none like you. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the Lord most high. Great and mighty is your name. And Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we honor you. In all these things we pray tonight. In the wonderful and the matchless and the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for tuning in tonight and being a part of our Bible study, understanding what it is to be faithful, understanding what can happen in our life when we're faithful, because God is the God of the faithful. And when we show ourselves faithful to Him, oh my God. We will experience things in God that will blow our minds. We'll experience the miraculous. Thank you for being with us tonight. Don't forget, if you would like some of our our cards, postcards with our church information on it, please stop by 22 Concord Avenue, Hamilton, New Jersey, and we will give you some. And if you'd like to go out with us into the community this Saturday morning, we will meet 930, 22 Concord. Avenue, Hamilton, New Jersey, and we'll go and slide some of these under the doors, between the doors of some of our neighbors, because we want them to tune into our service this Sunday. This Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. I hope that you were praying with me today. I hope that you prayed with me yesterday, and I hope that we will have a great time Sunday morning. Invite, invite as many people as you can to service Sunday morning. Have them tune in and be a part of the service. God bless you. I love you. And I want you to have a really great evening. And we will get together again Saturday at 6.30 for prayer. Somebody say corporate prayer. Amen. 6.30 Saturday. God bless you. Have a great evening. Amen.